Um, but we've had a number of events over the, uh, over the last uh, several weeks uh, at Bospecia related primarily to the fact that uh, we've had all kinds of crazy um, uh, auctions going on over the last few weeks in September, and many artists and people have been in, uh, in town. Um, and there have been a number of uh, exhibitions that have been happening over the last uh, number of weeks <coughs> at, uh, um, at Brandeis University, at Newark Museum, uh, which also has brought um, several uh, art critical thinkers and curators uh, into our area. So we're grateful for all of that activity because what it allows us to do is to have a, um, initiate a dialogue at Bospecia that, um, that very few people um, uh, internationally are privy to. And it's a great privilege for us uh, to be able to <clears throat> take advantage of uh, these people um, when, they, uh, when they come to, uh, to New York and twist their arm and get them to uh, spend some of their valuable time with us. Uh, tonight, we have a, um, an amazing opportunity to uh, hear a discourse uh, between uh, three people that uh, wouldn't uh, normally have uh, kind of interacted in this way and should make for an incredibly unique and wonderful opportunity to, uh, to get a, a better understanding, a different perspective on the work of Mitu Sen. Uh, Mitu Sen will be obviously one of the participants in that discourse. Mitu, many of you know well uh, because uh, she has, over the last uh, 12 months or so, maybe, uh, maybe 18 months, has uh, spent a lot of time in New York. She, was, um, she was, took part in an uh, initiative that Bospecia um, had uh, with a project space that we had about a year ago, uh, and she was one of the few participants, we had this project space for a relatively brief period of time and we were able to make very good use of it because uh, Mitu spent uh, about two months installing an incredible site-specific installation called It's Good to be Queen uh, in that project space. And she spent a couple of months in New York uh, interacting with many of you as well as with uh, other curators, collectors, critics, um, and um, <coughs> and. Uh, art scholars in the region uh, in creating the body of work that came to be known as It's Good to be Queen. That body of work will be uh, um, documented in an exhibition catalog uh, that should be ready over the next uh, few weeks during the course of this show. And um, we will uh, get it to you uh, or you can um, come to us and make sure that you receive it from us. In addition to Me Too, uh, we have uh, with us here uh, Andrew Merkel. Uh, Andrew has been a, um, a person who many of you have come to know because uh, Andrew has been incredibly generous with his time and his, uh, and his expertise and his knowledge on the uh, contemporary art in general, but also contemporary art specific to uh, the Asian art scene. Andrew has a, um, a degree in comparative literature and has spent the last uh, number of years being the editor of Art Asia Pacific. Art Asia Pacific has come to be regarded and uh, be function as a, uh, a true uh, repository for the, uh, the uh, archiving and discourse of contemporary art in this part of the world. Uh, like no other journal has been able to do in, uh, in a very short period of time. And much of that uh, activity has been the direct result of Andrew's involvement with the journal. Uh, 
Uh, so we're very uh, excited to have Andrew here uh, to participate in this discourse. Uh, the third person that uh, you'll be listening to today uh, is uh, Nancy Ajania. And it is uh, unbelievable that we uh, have the privilege of welcoming Nancy uh, here. And, um, and we have to thank the, uh, the people from Brandeis uh, for having invited her to uh, participate in, uh, in their activities at the um, uh, university uh, exhibition at Brandeis. And uh, we are the benefactors of that because, <coughs> because uh, we were able to to ask Nancy uh, to come and join us for this uh, evening's event. And, uh, and Nancy has, uh, in many ways, single-handedly uh, created an uh, a artistic discourse and, um, and theoretical as well as practical dialogue within South Asia, um, unlike anybody else that um, are very few people that I've encountered. Um, in, in her generation, she is one of a very small handful of people that have guided the, uh, the discourse of contemporary art practice in uh, in South Asia. And she has done that in, in many, many ways, uh, both uh, based uh, on site in India and in far-flung places uh, throughout the world. And she has uh, she's, uh, done it in, in one manner by uh, serving as kind of the beacon and the guide for a, uh, an art publication within India called Art India. And for a couple of years, Nancy was at the helm of that, uh, of that publication in its editorial uh, context and really uh, made it into a relevant uh, um, platform of discourse within, uh, within South Asia. Uh, in addition to that, uh, Nancy's uh, background comes from uh, new media, film, uh, telecommunications, uh, and she um, and she has uh, and she has brought that to bear on the uh, contemporary art practice within uh, within India and. Uh, relaying that and uh, projecting that for uh, many people all over the world. Uh, most uh, importantly or most um, significantly in the last number of years uh, has been her participation as a co-curator for the exhibition in Lisbon called Zoom, a fantastic exhibition with a wonderful uh, exhibition catalog and essay uh, by Nancy um, that took place in Lisbon. I was fortunate enough to kind of squeeze it into one of my medical trips in Europe, uh, so I was uh, there for a few hours to see that exhibition in Lisbon. It was an incredibly uh, uh, well-done exhibition. You should take a look at that uh, catalog and have it as part of your library if you can get a hold of it. Um, in addition to her involvement with Zoom, she has uh, helped to uh, bring her vision and her perspective on contemporary art practice in India to, uh, the, uh, to, the, uh, to the Documenta 11, uh, as well as to a, um, an involvement with Documenta 12. Uh, and um, a involvement with a execution of an exhibition at the ZKM. Uh, so uh, in, in many ways, she has been involved in bringing uh, and allowing the, um, the global focus of, on contemporary art from South Asia to, um, to happen in the way that it's happening. So um, with that long introduction, but I thought you needed to um, be aware of how fortunate we are to have these people with us today. Uh, one can easily overlook the, uh, the, our good fortunes. Um, Nancy, Andrew, and me too. Good evening, everybody. Uh, thank you, uh, Arani, for the wonderful and thorough introduction. Uh, can everyone hear me all right? Yep. Uh, so 
you know, although uh, Arani talks about good fortune, I think it is our privilege uh, to be here tonight with Me Too Sen, one of uh, kind of the most exciting artists emerging uh, out of India right now. Me Too is based in New Delhi, right? Um, and uh, to get things started, uh, I'd like to put a few uh, extemporaneous thoughts out there. I think whenever you get a critic in a live situation, the only thing that can result is comic relief. Uh, so I'm just going to throw some things out there that can be disputed uh, and uh, rendered moot at, at our at our good good time. Um, but uh, I first uh, came across Mitu's work when she was here in New York with the Bose Pesia residency. Um, that day was a very rainy day of the opening, and Me Too, of course, didn't show up. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think the installation itself was much more effective that way. Uh, she had scattered uh, drawings and sketches all over the apartment, you know, which was a typical, although quite fashionable, uh, New York domestic space. And um, there were bits of wigs and hair hanging from the shower stall and uh, little tiny artifacts pinned to the wall uh, or scattered on tabletops and you know that kind of sense of stumbling into a forensic uh, you know site you know the middle of an investigation uh, was you know amplified uh, actually without you being there. Um, so since then, I've uh, been keeping an eye on Mita's work, and she, you know she manages to uh, consistently surprise. I think uh, Mita embodies a kind of unhinged creativity uh, that's really not predictable, and uh, you see here. Um, new works and exhibition that uh, address you know, a whole range of themes. I think uh, you, know, you see, obviously, Me Too herself um, on full display. And the question I would have is, you know, to what extent is that uh, Me Too herself? Or is it a persona? Or um, what, uh, what does it represent? And then also, uh, you see other themes such as the body, sexuality, um, internal organs, and external uh, trappings such as this uh, wonderful tiger skin sari behind us. Um, ornamentation. But also these very visceral themes come together in a strangely clinical way. I was struck by the video in the back room uh, called Tattoo, where the action is occurring off camera and Me Too is there in the middle of the frame, uh, possibly naked. Certainly there's no sign of any clothing and staring straight at the camera uh, with voices coming off the screen uh, that are largely, uh, for me, unintelligible. I think you know, there's some uh, directions such as uh, 
an admonition not to use the flesh. Um, but it's all very confusing and yet clinical at the same time. And you can imagine uh, those of us who have had the experience, you know, kind of being in a hospital and drugged and having this kind of ethereal uh, awareness where you know that people are kind of circling you or doing things to you, uh, but you're not really sure what. And it doesn't really matter uh, because you're not able to focus on it. And it's scary, um, but also very primal at the same time. You think of just being a, a child or a baby and you know, having that same experience. Um, and to me, that, that work is uh, the most revealing of everything here. And uh, the other element that comes into play, aside from this you know, sense of unease uh, or a kind of fear, is also a sense of exploration. And I think that brings the work into another realm, where ultimately there's still a sense of play and pranksterism. And you, know, you think of the tattoo as embodying, as well, a kind of rebellion against the norms, impulsiveness, uh, and you know, that gets echoed also in the back room with the, the grid of uh, collage photographs and the uh, multimedia slideshow of animated photographs, which I was quite taken with, um, because you know, they, they open up a new level of spontaneity and transformation uh, where you see weird winking eyes and horse faces and tongues rolling out and rolling back into uh, Mitu's mouth. And uh, there's a, a certain kind of excitement going on there that uh, perhaps we can delve deeper into as uh, we talk tonight. But without further ado, I'd like to hand it over to Nancy Adajania, who is, uh, as Arani mentioned, is a, a leading critic and curator uh, in India, as well as an Art Asia Pacific contributor. I've had the opportunity to work with her on several stories. And uh, Nancy is going to tell us uh, more about Mitu's work. how I should evaluate my various activities. <laughs> Thank you very much, Anna. It's a privilege to be here, and it's a privilege to be here with this show. I must say that, uh, I must say that I'm just gobsmacked, if that's the word. This is really a stunning show, and uh, I'm going to for the very insightful points regarding these works, and I think that, uh, you know, just impromptu, the way you've spoken about it, to me, it's the best introduction you know, to you know, delve into her, her work and her subconscious. I'd like to begin with something closer home, because I feel that you know, whenever an Indian critic is asked to talk about an Indian artist, we get into various details about uh, you know, the culture that we belong to and uh, you know, what is our location within that culture, etc. But uh, 
I decided that since I have come here and I have been exploring a little bit of America, this is my first trip, uh, trip to America, and I must thank Eleanor Gordon, Wendy Kaplan, and Rubina Karori because they invited me to their show, uh, Tiger by the Tail of Women Artists, and that's how I'm here. So we were in Boston, and after the show, I went to the ICA in Boston, and what do I find in the museum shop? I find a designer rose. And this is a very interesting rose because it's called a ballistic rose. And the ballistic, it's a black rose, which is like a brooch. And it is made out of bulletproof cloth. And I was absolutely fascinated by this object. And when I saw it, I thought of Nito Sayan's works. To me, in a way, it symbolizes the dialectic of beauty and pain in her work. I hope I'm not being reductive when I say that. But in a way, the, the rose, the bird, the snake, which is the loss of innocence, bird of course as in flight, and the rose, symbolizing immortality as well as the worlds of the subconscious, which you were alluding to. And uh, her earlier work, which was uh, the drawing room series, which, were, uh, which was a suite of, uh, of uh, drawings, which were very brisk, body, jocular, in, in those drawings, they were aching body parts, and all of those body parts were phallic. But they all ached, and they were all pink, and they were full of red roses, and full of blood dripping out, but, but very subtle. In this show, half full, the body entrails have come out. For instance, when you look inside, where, where tattoo has been shown, there is a whole garment of body entrails. And again, to uh, make a reference which will be closer home to you, Echoes Eva Hess's rope sculptures, but it also echoes Kiki Smith's body parts and body fluids. And to me, I've always thought that uh, uh, Mitu Sen's work, for instance, has the playfulness um, of Yayo Kusama as well as the gravitas of Louis Bourgeois. And I say this, uh, you know, in an instructive way. I'm not just throwing names because you know, it's in an international context. Uh, Kusama, of course, because of the phallic field, the phallic forms that she plays with the soft sculptures, etc. And of course, there's a lot of edginess in her work, which you also find in Mithu's work. And Bourgeois, because I think that uh, her work has a lot to do with her childhood memories, um, fear of sex, the ambiguity of sexuality. And I think fear is, is, is an underlining uh, kind of echo in her work. But, it's, but the fear gets transmuted and transformed. And that's how what you call pranksterism. You know, you have a lot of jocularity. It, it, it's not it's not about making a career out of pain. Yeah? It's, it's, it's about playing with that pain. It, she could be like a whirling dervish. You know, in, in a way, taking that pain and dancing round and round and round till she, you know, falls in fatigue. Yeah? So, uh, and, I, and I really liked your, the point that you also made about the child. She really, to me, to my mind, she's like a child woman in a nursery. With all these toys, like you know, the soldier with the tin drum, which suddenly wakes up and starts playing. So whenever you see the world in a drawing room series which had no video and no sound, I could hear a lot of sounds which were scary, like of an automatic toy or a toy going off in the night and scaring you, or a train whistle. I used to I used to think of those sounds, and I, and I think that perhaps something in my subconscious was being linked to me too, uh, you know, subconscious as well, because in this show, uh, and this is the first time I'm seeing it, tattoo, for instance, has the drill. Oh, you know, of, of, of the tattoo makeup. And again, as I said, it's a dialectical beauty in pain because it, it is about beauty decoration. It also has, it, is, it, 
can also be contextualized in Indian art history. It's about the way women artists have played with the decorative and the kitsch. But I think that Mithu Sen is one of those women artists who's made the most bold usage of kitsch and the decorative. That there has been a senior artist, for instance, like Nalini Milani, who has, uh, you know, who, who also plays with sexuality, for instance, and ambiguities of sexuality and with the phallocentric universe. But hers is a more somber, serious take, and it's always about civilizational violence and gender relations. While here, this is something more intimate. It's like if you saw the drawing room series, and if you see the bread behind, Mito is like this little girl child, you know, sort of, who comes into a room where all the wine, uh, you know, the glasses are being put in properly, and where everybody's having a prim and proper conversation, and suddenly she sticks out a pink tongue, you know, a, a pink phallic tongue, and, and that's really, that's something that really characterizes Mito for me. But as I said, beauty, decoration, kitsch, play, all the monsters that come out of the subconscious, but also fear. And desire is always linked with pain in her work. And um, I think that I, I should not say more. I would like, uh, you know, Mithu to talk about her work. And then both of us, Andrew and I, can pick up uh, points and discuss them further. started traveling and she's done a whole lot of projects in, international con in an international context and today you see a lot of artists who are, who are you know like in a way who fall into the category of the artist on the move and you see that they're not just taking their works and putting them up on pedestals pretty pedestals in international galleries no they're also making works which in a way are responding to their own context it's like you know me responding to the ballistic rose in an ICA uh, at the ICA in Boston and you know linking it to Mithu's uh, rose in her work so, Mito, uh, for instance, has done uh, two projects. Uh, it would be good to be queen. It's good to be a queen. Uh, where, uh, of course, uh, I, I think you, you, you can speak a, lo a little more in detail about that uh, project. It would be nice to hear on that. Would you, would you like to speak a little about that project and how you... But I am no more queen. Doesn't matter, but, but you could talk about... Okay, maybe just a little more introduction and then you can pick up my point from there. Uh, you, you've been difficult, but I'm not going to let you go. <laughs> Uh, I think again something that I want to you know bring in because I'm, I'm always somebody who believes that you know one should, should not be provincial and really uh, you know I mean a, a kind of isolationist. Another th a thing that I actually saw at the Whitney, for instance, uh, which which fascinated me was Alexander Calder's Circus. Now Alexander Calder's Circus is actually uh, it's a tableau of wire sculptures uh, with cloth covered on them, and uh, there's also film where. Calder, you know, takes out each of these uh, circus performers and makes all kinds of growling sounds like in a children's, uh, you know, circus and he makes them perform and then puts them back. Now there's a history to this. Alexander Calder 
used to take, you know, uh, used to take all these little, uh, little toys of his, circus toys, into suitcases and travel between New York and Paris. And I was thinking when I saw that work, uh, that in a way it's very connected to me through the, the way, for example, in Project Space, she takes all her dolls, her toys, yeah. in her suitcase and then sets up home. Yeah, and, and, and the way Alexander Calder in, you know, in the circus performance you know, sort of brings out all his you know, toys and then you know, talks about it. And again, they're also very monstrous, just like Mithu's toys and toy-like figures here. In the same way, Mithu opens her uh, you know, suitcase, she has all kinds of dolls and combs, uh, different kinds of objects, desire, phallic, you know, pertaining to desire, to the phallic. And then she just sets up home. So I think it's, it's also very interesting to see how an Indian artist today, as I said, is not anymore making works for the connoisseur. Yeah? These are interactive, conversational, chatty works. Would you like to talk a little bit about that project space? Oh. <laughs> I was thinking, and whatever I do, I, first I go to my computer, I Google this thing, and I get everything. <laughs> So easy. So today also I went to my computer and I, I, I thought I have to talk about half full. So I just typed half full. <laughs> I got a cheat note. And there are so many you know, like aspects of talking about half full. So first I thought I'll uh, take some printouts of half full, uh, which is uh, about uh, pessimism, optimism, rationalism, functionalism, lot. All very theoretical, and actually, it was not about what I have done. I think, or maybe everything was there. <laughs> uh, I can only say, like uh, the last year's project, it's good to be a queen. Uh, I, I was here in spring, like April, May, June, and not only um, last year's project, but since 2000, I have started traveling. Even before that, since I, uh, my childhood, because of my father's job, I travel a lot. I never been into a space which I always wanted to be. I always wanted to grab, you know, because I don't know somehow. I mean, I'm very materialistic and very, you know, like attached with things. Uh, so, but it never happened. I kept on rolling, mm -hmm. and then somehow I think in my blood I adopted this, you know, like thing, and I, I uh, and it's going on, though I'm little tired. Tomorrow I'm going home. Home is like, again, like <laughs> something I don't know where, because again I'll go there and then I'll start thinking about some other places and maybe I'll go. So last year when I came here, um, I, I got a beautiful space, like a flat or apartment. Maybe it's supposed to be for a lot of people, for a family, but uh, where I was put alone, like artist in residency. So I was supposed to work there as an artist because I was invited from um, Bospecia to be there. And uh, I started thinking about the relationship between guest and host. I was the guest, and they were my host. And then after these two words, guest and host, I put another word, hospitality. And then I ended up saying, guest, host, hospitality, and tolerance. I had to do that. Because I was open uh, my studio come the domestic space for 24 hours. I invited verbally or by email or just, you know, like it was an open invitation to everybody to come and be with me for some time. 
because uh, though I still don't know where my home is or who, who is my actual family, but I f everywhere I feel homesick. And that sickness is kind of a, uh, maybe it's a luxury. Or I romanticize, mm -hmm. I, I dream about something, I desire something. Uh, knowing that it will never happen. I think this is all, I'm very romantic. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I carry, like Nancy said, I carry my daughters, my sons, my... <laughs> so I always carry an extra luggage. And it was most wonderful trip to be in India, uh, to be in America from India because I can carry two luggages. <laughs> from India, wherever you go, the, you know, like the weight is limited, like, you know, 20 kilos. But here you can take two, 23 kilos. So I get a lot. And when I go back, I also, and you know, by the time I'm here, I collect more. So I'm always with full of, I don't know when I'll go, how much I have to, like I have to put a lot of uh, extra weight money. <laughs> I'm like this. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I set up my family uh, with the things I was borrowing. And I started collecting my extended family from the day I came. And I got, I made a wonderful family here. And I don't know how to name because, I mean, we are all living in a like practical world. So I have to be an artist in residency. I mean, we all are somehow like, you know, someone in residence. This, this virtual space is very confusing for me. I mean, I don't know where exactly is a residency and who is an artist and what is artwork. Anyway, so I studied art. So I came here and I, I was making some art, like so-called art, pure medium art, which I grew up knowing that this is called painting, this is called drawing, this is called sculpture. And as an artist, I should produce something. But uh, I will not say I was pretending uh, by producing artworks, but I was more like, um, I was being very honestful with the people I was interacting who wanted or expected me to see on move or doing some art. But actually the people I was inviting in my space, I wanted to interact with them. I wanted to make a journey through their life. And their presence, at the time they were with me, and the, the conversation or sharing whatever, it could be a cup of tea, it could be just like, you know, some catalogs or showing uh, my favorite Shah Shah Khan DVD to mm -hmm. forcefully because, mm -hmm. so uh, everything was like, a, I was, you know, full of, you know, um, into a kind of, uh, relationship mm. with each and everybody, with each and everything. Mm. So it was not only a site specific, mm. you know, it was a time and site specific. Mm. So, so if I am asked today like to talk about these things, I cannot bring that time here. Mm. I cannot exactly explain you the mm. feeling or whatever I have done. I cannot even say it is a concrete body of mm. work I've been and mm. it was just a time I'm, I'm just I'm just you know walking on the 
you know, hmm. working and passing by so many things, and suddenly I cannot just say, oh, this is it. Hmm. This is a, I mean, so I, I, I'm, I'm in, into my life, with everybody's life, and I'm just connecting myself with each and everything. And yeah, like, you know, like the plant grows, flower blossoms, and then, you know, so this, you know, my works, which are remaining as an object or as a piece of something, this, this also will last for some time. You know, we, when we talk about um, the medium and the, 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 uh, how, how long it will last, the conservation, I mean, I really don't find any meaning. You know, the, you can see in my work also, I use a lot of different things and people ask me to, you know, be aware about the archival materials. And, but somehow, well, I'm trying to be because I don't want to, you know, like, um, cheat my, you know, people who loves my work and collect it so lovingly. So I'm trying to be a little more practical and conscious about that, but still I, I must say, like, I cheat. I mean, sometimes I find something, you know, like, maybe it has lots of bacteria, but I put that cloth. I, I need it immediately, I don't know. Then the rest, like, you know, the people who, con uh, the conservators, and they will think about it. But I cannot stop my um, spontaneous uh, desire to do something. So I remember when I was making this tattoo video, I was, uh, I was in a residency last year and um, uh, it was in Brazil. And um, I, I was working uh, on a project called Being Anastasia. And I was making a whole photographic uh, kind of drawings and photographs. With the, you know, it is a bit long story. Everywhere I go, I just a story. Right? <laughs> and uh, anyway, I was needed a painful, expression of a face and since I cannot I don't have a right like you know like why if somebody asks why I use this uh, self images first thing is like I don't have to bother anybody or for anything like copyright thing there is no copyright <laughs> so I can do whatever I want but this whole series is not autobiographical none of my work I I'll say because it's not autobiographical but there is a provocation of, you know, saying, uh, I just use it, you know. Anyway, so the, when I was doing this, uh, I, I was planning of uh, making a painful thing. First, I thought maybe I'll just, you know, like hit myself or I'll just do something. And then I, I cannot do that because I so much, you know, love life and the beauty and, you know. So I just thought maybe something which can give me a temporary pain but can remain as a beautiful scar. <laughs> so uh, I asked that uh, tattoo artist uh, who hardly speaks English. He speaks Portuguese. So there was a, and then I had a friend whose voice you can see in the background. So I asked him because I, I put the, you know, like my little handicap next to me and I sat on a chair and then I asked that guy like, which position is comfortable, I mean, you can do something on me. And so I was sitting on a chair, my hand was, and I was, um, well, I had something, but for me, <laughs> I was wearing something. I was looking beautiful because that was a beautiful uh, salon. And uh, so uh, I, my hand was here, and then the I, next thing, uh, I was needed to ask that guy, like, which part of the body is the most uh, kind of sensitive so that I can get the maximum painful expression. <laughs> so he said, here, because I think maybe because the bones are and nerves, and, and um, 
I still didn't know like what I'm going to make here. So he asked me like, oh, do you have any idea or design something? I said, no. He said, no, but you have to choose because this is going to be, you know, for the rest of your life with you. Then uh, I, my hair was, I, I, maybe you can see, like, you know, my, my, I always make a bun. And I had a hairpin, which is like, which has this spiral, beautiful wooden. So I just uh, showed him that and I said, like, can you make this? And so he made it. And uh, I still didn't have that I'm going to make a film. I was filming this, like this, uh, this short, like, you know, for 45 minutes I was doing this thing. And uh, constantly my friend Diego, uh, he was uh, asking, and there was one guy, assistant guy of that art, art tattoo artist who was trying to, you know, take some pictures. And then uh, since uh, Diego was, uh, you know, on the, next to the camera, so he was behind the camera, he was, uh, it, because of the flash, it was disturbing, and so he said, no flash. And then he was talking, he asked me not to talk, because he was very um, worried, because he said, he thought maybe I'll be crying or something, but my whole intention was not to cry, to, to, to get that whole expression of pain from my, you know, like from my stomach or something, and to resist the pain, uh, to, to tears, not the pain. Uh, so that can be a mask, you know, this pain can be a mask. And uh, after uh, doing that, you know, my hand was like, you know, like, yeah. I was not allowed to go to the sea, the ocean, so, so a very painful 15 days because I was uh, staying in a beach and I was not, I was just looking at the sea. And by that time I was watching my video and uh, watching and hearing whatever came. And I found it was so wonderful. I was trying to, then I thought I don't really need to edit the, you know, whatever, because uh, it's not a sophisticated thing, it's very raw and rough. And, but with the sound, the background, that don't move, look at the camera, or something very, you know, like, and some Portuguese sound, stop, stop. And then uh, last uh, thing that tattoo artist asked me, how was it, uh, was it nice? <laughs> and it was just, you know, because the, they, first they do one, you know, they drill it once. That was like, in the beginning it was not that painful, but then what happened is the next, they, you know, like, they almost like dig it. And, you can see when you have already a cut and then somebody on the, this, you know, like the fresh cut, somebody again, you know, going through the same cut, it is, uh, it is uh, very pleasurable. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Uh, I think maybe, uh, maybe people say like when they, they become a mother, maybe it is something like that or, yeah. What was the question? Did you ask me something? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's my um, there. Yeah, but the spiral form is something that you chose out of a whole... Yes, thing because uh, it was my yeah. hair yeah. yeah. Oh, everybody asks this. It's Yeah, it is very common and, yeah. Um, yeah. and it is beautiful actually. And um, I didn't want something very controversial. So because uh, this part will be always seen and you know, like... Uh, hmm. um, and. But it also has I to have to the theorize. Cosmos and no, oh yes, that is nice. I will collect these points like cosmos or yeah. unending, you know, like mm. never-ending yeah. spirals. Yes. So I can relate it with everything. Yeah. Like, you know, I always can There's relate. There's also a spiral getty in Utah, mm. the big land art mm. yeah. project. Exactly. Again, coming from the same, <laughs> yeah, yeah. same notion. So it's yeah. like just uh, not with that philosophical yeah. thing, but just to connect the common thing, yeah. like some forms, the very common. Yeah. Uh, like my roses or my bananas mm. or my birds, so it was just 
But do you make a lot of your decisions that way, just kind of spontaneously grabbing whatever? I think all my decisions are like this. I am yeah. never like thoughtful person. I'm not. I don't like. I'm not like a articulate. It just comes, and I just. Do you do you ever do research or think about things before you make art, or you just kind of go into it? I just go, and then I, then I once I'm involved into something, could be a small drawing or may uh, like a photograph. Then um, I walk. I mean, uh, you remember once you asked me how I start making mm -hmm. one walk or a drawing. I think I just start somewhere, mm -hmm. and then it grows. I I don't know. Like, it again is sounding very romantic, but it's really it just grows, and I don't know where. And I always like to keep myself in a pressure with lot of things, with mm -hmm. maybe family, maybe with other stuff. So I'm always in a hurry that I have to do so. Uh, I don't even know like where to stop. Mm -hmm. So before I stop, I start, or maybe parallelly I, I, I do other works. Mm -hmm. So everything keeps me busy, and then I have my you know like my whole family, my daughters, mm -hmm. my sons, and everybody I play with. Then mm -hmm. I cook, I feed them, mm -hmm. I have lots of plants. So it's just, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, thank you because this is this is really beautiful the way you, you know, took us into the maze of, of the way you think and how you make your works. Um, project space, you uh, you uh, were very happy to have people come in and meet your family, if I may call, you know, all your little dolls, your yeah. sisters. I introduced everybody. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you, you introduced your whole yeah, family. Yeah, a lot of friends are here. Yeah. But here I see that, you know, you have these uh, holes in the walls. And uh, in some way, uh, you know, there's, there's always this tension between a kind of exhibitionism in your work, you know, where you're out there, yeah. even the way you dress, ballerina yeah. shoes, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. spiral nice. on your hand, a rose, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah? yeah. And, and, and at the same time, you know, you know you're know, you talking about something that's very painful, something that could also have to do with depression. Yeah. So, so, so how, how do you invite people in, into your work, for instance, in project space? It was open. Everybody was invited to come and interact with the family. Here I see you have these little holes in, in the wall. Would you like to talk a little about it? Yeah, I mean, one principle I have in my, you know, like, I, I love life. I love loving everything, you know, like, each and every one. I, I cannot sleep because I think I miss something. Mm -hmm. I'll miss something, so I get up, you know. So uh, what I want to share always with everybody is like, you know, kind of enjoying and mm. being happy and sharing something very, you know, like people. Otherwise, um, like you said, like, you know, there is a pain or darkness. Mm. I think this is so common, you know, like mm. it is everybody. You cannot really deny that part. Mm. This is unavoidable. So taking that thing, you know, like, mm if we can make it like, you know, more playful or mm. more happily. I don't know like how to, uh, I mean, of course I invite people and then they enjoy, you know, like the mm. first thing I think which you said, like, you know, the socks or this, mm. you know, like, uh, I am, I'm not separated from my work mm. or my mm. life. So mm. everything I do, maybe uh, from your perspective or from mm. others perspective, it looks like it is uh, decorated. Mm. But as you said, like you know, mm. even the decoration, decorating mm. part is mm. um, why? Why? Mm. So there is a politics. Mm. There is something yes. behind. Yeah. So uh, my simple uh, idea of uh, making it visual or mm. stunning or provoking, mm. 
eye catching is like um, yes i love that it I, I rather use it like a kind of trap so mm. people cannot deny this part mm. and which is very very nice and then if they have uh, if they have a mind or heart uh, to mm. continue the journey mm. they will find their own way i just give a clue i just give a like you know very like mm. little kind of percentage uh, mm. or a chance to my Mm. my viewer or people so this even this whole mm. uh, it definitely will increase a kind of curiosity what mm. is happening because of the sound mm. and then you will peep up and you will see something mm. is happening mm. some people just overlook and then they don't really mm. feel i mean i have no problem with that because mm. uh, or some people just enjoy till here mm. and then they look at this things it's fantastic mm. and then if you really mm. like to make your journey furthermore you know like mm. you will you will try to you will try to find mm. you know and then you will you will you will just walk through and you will you will reach inside <coughs> like you know mm. going into the yeah. so after all these colorful playful mm. ambiguous you know characters mm. and um kind of uh, fun and humor mm. you actually you you know you mm. uh, reach into mm. something uh, somewhere mm. where you know like it's not pain it mm. is again which actually is living some beautiful you know mm. thing on your on you but it is also taking you somewhere very deep mm. you know inside and mm. uh, it's not scary I, i mean i don't i mean i don't find my you know i don't i don't find because mm. even lot of people think me scary you know like <laughs> dorothy the witch is this like <laughs> this socks you know <laughs> but you know uh, this all this you know like kind of uh, notion of uh, scare fear beauty mm-hmm. everything depends on uh, everyone's perspective the person's case, yeah, yeah the person so they how they see how they experience life mm-hmm. and uh, for me it can it can mm-hmm. be changed you know like mm-hmm. because that that is why that that, that is happening in mm-hmm. our life you know each mm-hmm. and every moment we are mm-hmm. everything is changing nothing is like you know mm. like yesterday and you know like mm. the work i made like you know two months or three months back maybe this work mm. when i was making it it was something to me it was i was i was i knew that it has some mm. but today if you want if you know if you want me to say something or it will be completely different i mean mm. Yeah. So is it uh, is it about seduction too? The whole kind of invites people mm. to look in. Yeah. Mm. On the other hand, you know, looking at some of these works here, mm. they're very the poses that you have uh yourself in are very glamorous. Like this mm. could almost be a classic Brigitte Bardot mm. uh yeah. pinup. Oh, yeah. You know that that work over there sort of it, it looks like a classic film star or an Andy mm. Warhol silk screen mm. and there's a different you know where's the whole kind of mm. invites people in to something mm. deeper mm. uh these images kind of mm. seduce but they also repel at the same mm. time because mm. there's a you know a surface glamour but mm. yeah no when you say like brigid bardo or you know mm. like um, andy warhol uh you know this is i i believe like this is a problem of our knowledge that we always bring a reference if we don't can is it possible to just to say you know it as it is like you know like why 
I don't know. I mean, I have no problem. I like, you know, when if somebody because it's me, I know it's me, and it's like, so it also. But I really didn't link it, link it when I was making it, and then I was making this in India, mm. in Delhi. Though I travel, but when I'm showing it here with this, you know, like uh, my viewer, it's so interesting to know that how they are relating immediately with this particular context and time, you know, like, but I'm sure if I show it in, you know, like, mm. in, like, back home somewhere mm. in some city, mm. maybe people, I don't know, like, maybe they can relate it with some kind of glamorous, um, will they, I'm, I'm, well, actually, doubt. You know, looking at this uh, more and more, uh, I, I almost feel that, like, for example, this outer ring, to me, it's, it's almost like a circus or a freak show. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. th that, that's the kind of uh, feeling that I get when I look at these works. Like, of course, this, this could be like a model, you know, me showing off her beautiful hair. But it's also, if you look at it, uh, it's, it's actually uh, an animal mask, you know, in, in which you'd find in a, any part of South Asia, for example, you know, the puppet theater or even theatrical performances. And, and it's so animated. I almost feel as if all these figures are actually moving, you know, mm -hmm. or whether it's, it's her running away in her sari you know, with antlers on her head, or there, you know, sort of showing her, her, actually, you know, opening out her body and showing it, you know, with the tongue out. So that circus and freak show in the outer ring, and then, you know, when you look inside, you actually, it's almost like, you know, a tiger being whipped. So, and you see all those entrails, and, you know, there are also, like, rope sculptures which look like whips, for instance. So that sadomasochism is also there. I mean, at least that's the way I'm, I'm looking at it. I mean, that's my... Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about the glamorous mm. part. Mm. Uh, now it is really looking glamorous with the frame and everything. Mm. No, no, no. I mean, it's really, mm. I, when I was making, I was more, uh, bec because you visited my studio, mm. you know how. Mm. So uh, at that particular, mm. you know, space, it was more like a grotesque because my yeah. studio is very tiny yeah. and suddenly making a large scale of work and hanging everything, mm. all my sons and daughters around, mm. you know, like. Uh, and then you can see like uh, behind the hair it's actually the brain this mm. thing's coming out yeah. because um, so like that's why the freak show the monstrous yeah so and then yeah. this uh, yeah this I mean, this is really for me it's almost like a, a bear or you know I mean somebody wearing a bear mask or something you know, like a bear or something which is coming up to you even you can see the yeah. ears this like yeah. the internal uh, mm. ear you know diagram is coming out yeah. and Parts of the body, parts of the ears, so, actually, you know, opening uh, out the body. But I will definitely um, think about that, and uh, <laughs> it's quite interesting. How do you choose the, the images? You know, even this one over here with the black frame and the roses looks very dreamy. You know, where you're gazing up into the distance. Yeah. Um, and others look like almost like a celebrity snapshots. So you know, where you, the flash. It looks like there's a flash. With uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Light on your forehead and nose, and you're smiling. What's you know what is that about? You know, of course, there's the grotesque element, but but have you thought much about this other side to it? Uh, other side means like the, the kind of the uh, just to use the term that we've been throwing around is the glamorous side to it. Actually, it's not so much glamour as exhibitionism. I mean, and I think I would prefer to use that term. This thing, it's, 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 it's actually the, the, the drama between exhibitionism and then going deep into your subconscious. I think that because 
the word glamour and celebrityhood and stuff like that, you know, that would take you into a different direction. In her work, I think it's more exhibitionism. It's like, as I said, like a child woman coming and saying, okay, I'll put up a performance, you know, and, and doing the most uh, uh, mad, wacky, edgy things to invite you in. You yeah, there is also like mm. with this tiger skins, uh, tiger skin mm. mm. There is also uh, another, uh, mm. Mm, I, uh, what I should say, like it's uh, you can see like this me, mm. it's a um, deer mm. with this Animals. you know yeah, and then putting her into uh, covered her with a tiger skin shari is like a, mm -hmm. a taking a daring step or something you know like this is something. Uh, because the, tig uh, the mm. tiger and the deer relationship is like exactly. so I, it's like you know mm. like receiving mm. or uh, consuming or mm. uh, taking a kind of dangerous mm. you know yeah. uh, invitation mm. or whatever mm. uh, that was this that this yeah. kind of literal thing uh, like yeah. maybe work more yeah. when I started making yeah. it and then I don't know uh, she started looking so glamorous with this mm. long years and mm. Yeah, because all the images are coded. For instance, as you said, the, the tiger and the you know the deer with the antlers. So again, it's, it's a power relationship. The idea that you know it's, it's very the power dangerous. Control, yeah. You know, it, like the tiger might consume the the deer. Yeah. Who will who will know, consume who? Is that's, yeah, because that's uh, very much you know like um, yeah. uh, it's very obvious that mm. you know like a tiger yeah. always yeah. you know uh, grab. Uh, yeah. But here when. Uh, this deer is covering her, you know, mm. who, who, like the, mm. both are like having the beautiful mm. skin, and mm. the, which is their mm. identity. Mm. And uh, I think deer has more because then she mm. has, he, though it's like a, yeah. she, yeah. The she deer doesn't have, he yeah. does. Yeah. But I just put it like as a, yeah. like, like a, So it's about changing skins, uh, yes, like inverting the, uh, some way I, like yeah. also this is, the whole body of work is mm. about uh, that uh, ambiguous identity mm. and who we exactly, exactly are. and. Mm who we become by the pressure or uh, the, of our surroundings or uh, demand or desire by the people you are and wh what is our own desire to become something else than that politically defined what exactly you are. Mithushen is like, who is Mithushen? For my parents, I am someone. For my husband, I am someone. For my kids, I am someone. But actually, inside me and when I'm like changing or you know like uh, mm -hmm. moving all around and I can see like uh, the, the photograph mm -hmm. of this you know mm -hmm. the most of the uh, images of me are taken while I'm traveling while I was traveling in fact yeah and it was not actually like by uh, mm -hmm. any photograph or sometimes it's just like my, mm -hmm. my by myself with the self shattered you know things with and sometimes, you know, whomever was next to me, I just asked because I was as a tourist, as a foreigner, I wanted some pictures to bring back home. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love, you know, I always carry this little camera, which is a very simple camera. And then I come back and I just, when I'm back, I just go, you know, I make different journeys through all my travels and I try to remember things. And uh, with this copyright idea <laughs> was that though I met a lot of beautiful people whom I wanted to use in my work, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, you know, I just lost them, like, you know, they are somewhere. Um, so I just thought, like, using me mm -hmm. through, through, through maybe uh, their eyes or my own eyes, mm -hmm. because that is also a desire mm -hmm. to see myself mm -hmm. in a different, you know, like, way. Maybe mm -hmm. I cannot be a horse, but I, like, mm -hmm. I'm there, so I cannot be this, like, you know, muscle man. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, um, so putting on these various masks 
whether it, it could be they are nothing yeah, is mask yeah. like it's mm. not mask mask yeah. we cover ourselves yeah. but it's mm. not it's more like uh, exploring our mm. other yeah. selves yeah. it's like mm. why should we say because yeah. if there is not mm. any definite mm. kind of mm. me mm. uh something then only then we we use a mask yeah. when but there but is something to is, hide or cover no but that's the whole point mask is not always used as something which is negative a mask is also something where when we when we say we take on different mask it's also about taking on different personas and and you've taken on various kinds of personas to talk about the issues that are close to your heart so hmm. mask doesn't always have to be something where you know you're hiding something it could, you can also hide something in plain sight and that's what you do all the time in your work so do you think you're hiding anything <laughs> hiding in plain sight everything yeah everything yeah in yeah. plain sight you know so yeah. that there's a constant play positive way yeah 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 but i mean do our our viewers meant to understand it as a window into your psyche or kind of that sort of relationship where uh you're showing us something about yourself because i thought you also mentioned earlier that you use images of yourself uh, not because you're exploring yourself but just because it's you know convenient or because you don't want to disturb other people so what what's your relationship to using uh, to self yeah to your own image uh, the first point is this and then second one last year i ran away when uh, i was doing that project mm-hmm. and a uh, lot of people uh, then emailed me that they came to see me and uh, i got little confused because when i was leaving uh, my opening last year just before 15 minutes before it started i wrote a letter to mita to give her an, uh, saying that you know like i'm not running away i'm just taking my physical self you know off from that particular site because i didn't want to interrupt between my viewer and my work so i mean lot of time i realized that uh, as you said as i also believe like you know the my whole or everybody is you know like um, whole life is like a performance mm. and some performing artist we like to watch mm-hmm. like shahrukh khan and uh, some like one of the this work is named on uh, unavoidable being unnoticed or something like that mm-hmm. that you know like so this mm-hmm. this uh, so i like mm-hmm. i know like you know like uh, my self you know like presence mm-hmm. somehow makes a kind of uh, you know like um, you cannot really uh, overlook mm. me mm. positive way and negative way both mm. so uh, sometimes when i am more egoistic about my work mm. i feel disturbed about being present next to my work and then talking about my work mm. because for me i mean it doesn't really carry any meaning if i have to say something about my work i have already said that i don't have to explain or translate it in you know mm-hmm. and but it is also i feel like when i see other artist work it's interesting to see, know that artist psyche what is happening that they you know like mm-hmm. 
so it is also our desire to know what is happening behind what is behind that hole mm -hmm. so these holes you know like mm -hmm. are like our yeah so you are allowing a little bit of peep into your inner world by doing this sometimes yeah. uh, until unless mm -hmm. i find that <coughs> right you know like mm -hmm. the perfect mm -hmm. uh, viewer or mm -hmm. person mm -hmm. who really mm -hmm. wants to because you cannot really make a bridge with everybody mm -hmm. with everything mm -hmm. but somehow uh, you you can find you know like i i i get a lot of people like who came and say like oh you know like i i like this work mm -hmm. this is the best work mm -hmm. somebody says that one is the best work and mm -hmm. i try to how can someone say in a show mm -hmm. that this is the best work this is mm -hmm. the best series or this is the you know any artist life or anybody's life that that was her best series mm -hmm. blue period or mm -hmm. i mean uh, that really like you know shocks me a lot because uh, how then i feel it's just that that person's receiving how he or she is connecting himself or has, herself with that particular uh piece of work or particular you know so it's not that you no know, i i cannot say like no this is the best work i think maybe i i i may have a very personal sentimental or emotional um hmm. relationship with some work but hmm. like you cannot say who you like you know if you have like four hmm. children you know hmm. you cannot say that like, you know, he or she is hmm. the best is like the most hard hmm. part of a hmm. parent so i think um what are you talking about no it's, it's wonderful because you, you don't mind me yeah. like because <laughs> i just uh, yeah so i'd again like to take the discussion uh, you know a note further Uh, on the one hand of course there's exhibitionism a lot of pranksterism fun oh. jocularity on the other hand uh, there are things that you like to leave behind for instance your hair sculptures which are extremely excruciatingly beautiful and yet when you look at them they could also invoke fear yeah uh, or your children that you left behind in the in the project space would you like to talk about things that you leave behind which could even be your own you know something a residue of your own body like hair or your children I don't leave anything behind. Mm. I think I have mm. everything with me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I don't think anything. I don't leave anything mm. behind. Everything is with mm. me. I mean, mm. I think uh, everybody understands mm. these things. Mm. I really mm. leave nothing behind. But but you but in a way your your hair. you know you turn it into i mean the your fallen hair is something that you turn into a beautiful sculpture and that that's both dark and beautiful and then you know that, that's there for the viewer to see so in a way it's it's, it's part of your own body and you've woven it into a sculpture mm. or your children i mean who are in, in a way you know who are there in the project space for the viewers to interact with yeah. so there are there are there are these things that when i say leaving behind i i, I don't mean i understand but uh, no, yeah. like no. i mean it at the philosophical level of yeah. what does it mean to take your body residue and turn it into a sculpture uh, and then you know let light come through its holes um when i was like i still am making like you know the hair sculptures mm. um in brandaj i was also mm. telling you know like that hair i have taken cuz I, i i love hairs you know mm. like i i love my own hair mm. and i i I really uh, uh, feel a kind of you know when when I take a shower or when I comb my hair and I lose my hair uh, I really feel something like you know I'm missing something losing something 
and which is so strong. And then uh, there is a history of you know this losing hair and that insecurity behind losing hair, especially the women. It's like losing hair is almost like losing your own identity, your youth, your feminine, you know, femininity. Or so uh, when I started um, working with the hair in 2001, I think uh, I took it more like kind of a metaphorical way, mm. like you know, taking back stuffs mm. which you. Like, you know, it, when it is with your body, it's like, you know, so fascinating, so desirable, you know, like people love, you know, touching it, you yourself love it. And the moment you lose it, it's just like a moment of, you know, attachment and detachment. Mm -hmm. And that particular moment makes the whole story. Mm -hmm. It becomes the most repulsive and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. most, you know, like uh, irritating, you know, mm -hmm. body part. Mm. And you then you like, you know you don't know how to like throw it from your life you know it's mm. just mm. and I've seen my mom and my you know like other women in India who has long hairs they they have a kind of maybe um, superstition or some prejudice they always you know like they don't throw the hair they like keep it you know somewhere or you know I don't know for, for where because they anyway they cannot take them back they glued them on their <laughs> they always have a, like you know kind of. Oh, I have lost so much of hair. There's so much of, you know, like feelings for the hairs, and then they, they really, really hate them. <laughs> they don't like them. So this uh, this contradiction of, you know, they are loving on something, their obsession or something, but actually <laughs> they are not taking, you know, these things back into their life. They they, they don't want to. That is like a very, you know, kind of uh, interesting. Uh, fun part of life and I thought why not I just take them back into my life and you know mm. like try to make something out of uh, this mm. uh, lost part mm. and uh, making it like a you know jewelry mm. piece or something yeah. and, and and invite those people mm. who really think that something which is mm. going out from your life is mm. going forever yeah. it's not true mm. so by accident or mm. by some way, mm. you can even, you know, like discover them in your mm. life mm. if you just like, you know, you know, mm. just uh, give up patience and just try to look back mm. or try to remember things they are mm. from your life. And uh, they are beautiful and then um, they, like my all other work, they are provoking, they are inviting mm. and they are also fearful by their own mm. uh, material, like, mm. you know, so, and they're also subjective, so... Uh, Do you think about voodoo or other occult practices at all? <laughs> I look like, no, it's reminding me, I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I never... No. But yeah. it, it, it excites me a lot. Mm -hmm. I like, when I started making it, and a lot of people said, oh, you know, like this hair is... And it mm -hmm. was so, like, mm -hmm. exciting for me to think and, you know, mm -hmm. no. But I lost interest when I, you know, like, yeah, it, uh, it's more like very personal, personal voodoo. Right. <laughs> and um, um, not, uh, again, it's not personal, I mean, it's not me. It's the people I meet and I see and I experience the life uh, around me. So that voodoo came from. Right. Yeah, I think yeah. yeah, because you experience a moment of transcendence when you look at those forms and I'm not talk, telling a big, you know, long tail or a big tail here. Uh, for one of my shows, she actually uh, <laughs> took these hair sculptures and um, uh, she put them into 
beautifully carved black boxes. Would you like to talk about it? And then light and the light. Yeah, I'll just put like some. Uh, because they are so fragile and yeah. uh, I was trying in a different way to um, exhibit them hmm. and I was really not finding a best way of uh, I still don't know like hmm. to, if it was the best way but you know like uh, then um, I put them on a black wooden carved box and then uh, there was some light hmm. inside and uh, I put some like uh, silk transparent silk yeah. white transparent silk and then I just kept uh, one or two or three pieces of hair mm. and uh, the light was coming uh, mm. you know through the fabric uh, I think it was making this this hair piece more like you know like yeah. something they were saying something from inside it yes. was it became it was it was uh, it got some I cannot explain. Yeah, it was it was it like a voice from beyond or something. Yeah, so something that I was cannot explain. And, and and also the the, the kind the material. It was no more hair, you know. Like yeah. even if it's hair, you have to bound to love it. You are, you cannot really mm. deny these things, which you have mm. once you know through like true. And then uh, so. Uh, and that's I think in also in uh, uh, Mithu's way of subverting social and uh, you know ritual taboos related to hair body parts, especially to the female body parts. But I mean, the way she does it, I mean, she finds a form not uh, by sloganeering or, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, through bra burning or any of that. She actually finds the most, one of the most transcendental forms. And when you actually look at the light coming out through the holes in the, in the that fragile hair sculpture and that piece of silk, which becomes just light, you know, it, it just becomes a tissue of light. So I, I think, um, again, that's something that I find these two different points in your work. One is animation, edginess, the ever wakeful eye. You know, the eye never sleeps. You also find that in the grid there. The eye wants to consume. You know, you're going, you're traveling all over yeah, the world. Very hungry. You're hungry, you're, you're greedy, you want to see as much as you can, you want to consume as much as you can. And at the same time, there's something where you go, you know, then there's this, the painful aspect, you know, which is you know, taking the pain on your body and then you're moving towards a certain kind of stillness which you find, as I said, you know, in that, in those hair sculptures. <laughs> to what extent are you a self-consciously female artist? Do you think about that? You know, sort of making art from a position as a woman as opposed to just making art? I mean, I definitely don't want to deny about my feminine because I, I, I love being a woman and, and I have no regret, I have no complaint. And, uh, but uh, I don't know if when I make a art or whatever, when I cook or whenever I teach or when I ride, when I drive, it's like if I am very conscious about my womanhood, uh, does it really matter? Then I'm just like, I know like, uh, I am, I am. I'm, someone who has like two hands, two legs and you know like uh, everything whatever a body or you know like a need like into being into into a life with uh, so I'm not very conscious uh, uh, but yes I also like to be cherished and like to be um, acknowledged you know mm. uh, of course as a woman mm. you know, uh, and but I don't want to uh, don't want people to say, oh, you cannot do it because you are a woman. Then I feel like, no, I have to do it. I have to prove that I can do everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can do more than you. And no matter whether it was mm -hmm. 
uh, told by a woman or a man. You know, like um, I like to take the challenge if somebody says that you cannot. So. Uh, well, one of the extraordinary things about India right now is that there's an incredible group of female artists who are leading the way. You know, compared to the China boom, for example, where it's male painters. You know, and and I mean, do you do you do you interact with your other peers? Or I think wherever I travel, I think Indian women are beautiful. <laughs> yeah. But but he's asking, do you interact with your uh, other like, fellow women artists? And uh, we also have a lot of uh, main artists. Yeah. And. <laughs> Oh, I also like a lot of their works. But yes, true, like women artists are much more stronger <laughs> from India. I'm sorry if I hurt anyone, but no, no, no. I mean, I think it is uh, the uh, you know, kind of um, energy. It's not only India. I think uh, I've been to China and, you know, like, I think it, it also depends about the exposure, how you are getting it. In China, because of the society, because I think somehow, these uh, Chinese women artists are not, but I have seen like I was in like small small places in China and I have seen like beautiful works by Chinese women artists, but when it they are coming to West, uh, it depends how they are brought, mm. by whom they are brought. Mm. So um, I think with um, we don't we don't need to like you know like kind of categorize like women artists. Mm. Uh, I I. And know. yet, I think that both Mithu and I would would acknowledge the gift that we have been given. In fact, if Mithu and I are sitting here today, it's because of all the battles that have been fought yeah. by uh, the senior women artists and by, yes, by the feminist that, that is, yeah. movement. I mean, if it hadn't been for them and for all the battles that they had fought, I don't think Mithu and I would be sitting here and would have the privilege to talk about art, for instance, which yeah. is, in a way, a very elitist thing in, back home in India. Yeah, but that is also like yeah. Nancy, I feel mm. like I personally mm. never felt any mm. kind of opposition mm. by mm. any of, you know, like uh, mm. men or mm. in any men or women, yeah. like, so it is also like, you know, uh, that, the addition, like, uh, yeah. It's, it's for yeah. us, that's what I'm yeah, saying. It, it wasn't, I mean, yeah. that many people have fought the battle before us and that's why we have the privilege yeah. to sit here and, and talk yeah, about Yeah, the enormous yeah. support of, you know. Yeah. So, because I think uh, somehow we always uh, see India or something like mm. in a different way, like mm. uh, maybe the societies, mm. you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it not, it's not true mm. with everybody. Yeah. It's also like depending what kind of, you know, uh, society, I mean, what kind of, you know, background or like exactly. an immediate family background exactly. or your schooling, everything is depending. Maybe I never like, you know, uh, in a way like maybe uh, some of my fellow mm. uh, women artists are struggling <laughs> much more than I. Mm. But uh, I, I mean, I never had any like, you know, uh, such kind of even uh, mm. the artist, senior artist, mm. and even in Delhi, like my senior mm. artist and mm. uh, my contemporary artist, mm. they are like they are the most encouraging people mm. than anybody. I mean, I came to Delhi from Shantiniketana, from Calcutta, mm. where I had nothing. I started from scratch, and then I was accepted. You know, whatever mm. I was doing, I mean, I could see. I mean, uh, that kind of uh, support mm. I mm. always got mm. and. It was uh, from mm. like a women artist mm. mostly, mm. and then also like mm. you know other artists, senior artists. 
So it also has to do with the class, as she correctly pointed out, the background to the which background, you yeah. know whether art critics or artists belong to. So um, most of the women artists, for instance, are from middle to upper middle class to even rich. So automatically, you know, you you have the privilege of choosing your own profession and doing what you wish to do. What made you pursue art, Mita? Um, I was not really uh, very much sure about art or art school when I went there, but I just uh, found like I was like till like you know my high school. I was 17 and 18. Uh, somehow I was feeling a pressure of not doing uh, what the others are doing mm. by the pressure of the family or middle class family, my, my sister or my brother or my other friends and the, the desire of uh, middle class uh, mm. parents like putting their kids to some uh, kind of academic mm. that they can you know like uh, get mm. a smooth life or some degrees, uh, some uh, glamorous yes, degrees and jobs. So they were mostly going to medical college or engineering college so that my brothers and sister. And, uh, but I was somehow feeling very suffocating. Was, I, 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 I was very good in my you know, uh, studies, but I, I was loving most is like uh, the literature and um, other things like kind of different activities. I was a very good athlete. So uh, I was just thinking, like, if I go to like this kind of academic, I will be like stuck. I will be like I'll die. And so when I went to my university uh, to you know get some uh, forms after my school, so I was like you know from I, I took like you know kind of medical forms mm -hmm. and I was preparing uh, for everything. Mm -hmm. So I also went to the art mm -hmm. college, which was in the university in mm -hmm. Shantaniketan and. And uh, I had no idea what uh, art college is, like what kind of degree they give. Uh, definitely my parents didn't allow me to, you know. So when I came, I was, you know, like mm -hmm. doing this form and then they said, what is, why you were, you know, like wasting your time? Anyway, so I did that and then I sat for this admission test and uh, I was selected. And uh, still I was waiting for my class two result. And I just asked my dad, like, can I just go and see what it is actually because I, mm -hmm. since I got this chance. And uh, you know, like they're like uh, they're quite liberal, so they they I I went there, and um, I don't know. I don't like to repeat the same kind of story, but it's so true and so personal in my life. When I went there, the first day there was like kind of a ragging or something, <laughs> and one girl like um, she came to me, and everybody was ragging others, like you know, first year students. And she just uh, came and you know, hold my hand and said like, oh, you are so beautiful. You have mm. such a beautiful complexion, which I first time heard in my life when I was 17 and a half. And that was, I was like, I was really very much touched about uh, that comment, you know, somebody because uh, except my parents, um, I never heard this kind of comments uh, till 17 and a half. And, um, and it is obviously like, you know, uh, I was, uh, I was like, you know, uh, intelligent enough to understand that what parents are saying that is just to make me feel, you know, good because I have a sister and, you know, mm -hmm. who is really like different, who is, who is beautiful. When today, I, I, when people say you are beautiful, I said, I agree, okay, I know, because the notion mm -hmm. of beauty keeps on changing in my mm -hmm. life with the journey of. So the, I decided to be there where I am acknowledged by my own mm -hmm. kind of um, persona or mm -hmm. I, I somehow I, I, I found that I didn't have a personality. It's not because I was beautiful or I was not. It's just I was not getting a kind of acknowledgement of 
what I am being, you know, someone, at least someone came to me and said, oh, you are. So uh, I, I uh, just wrote a letter to my dad and saying that I want to be here. And he said, do you know the course and this, what is like, you know, the prospect of future? And I said, I'm sorry, I really don't know. Uh, but I think I just want to be here just to discover my own self, who I am. Mm -hmm. That made me like, it could be any other college, it could be economics, it could be um, Sanskrit college or medical college. Right. But I, want, I, was, I think I did, there was a desire of mm. inside me uh, uh, for that acknowledgement that who you are and you are accepted as you are. So that, that uh, made me very confident about myself and before that I never wear you know, like, you know, like uh, clothes and you know, like it was always uh, given by or chosen by my parents or something, oh you should choose this color, you should. Uh, the uh, exhibition I, I had in 2002, I hate pink, there was also a story why I made this series, though it was like later it was discussed about gender politics and you know like blah blah blah, it's like everything was there, I'm not. Um, trying mm -hmm. to, uh, but actually when I was like four or five years old kid, like my mom bought two beautiful uh, pink, baby pink um, frock for both of us. And uh, it was a puja festival and we both, we were very, very happy. Since then I had no, no kind of, uh, the, my whole palette of color was including that color pink. But somebody in the, the group said like, hey, why you are wearing this? You know, you know, it doesn't, this color doesn't suit you. You should be, you know, as a five years old, I first came to know that one color is not for me in this world. So I was, I rejected. It was very sentimental and personal kind of, you know, story. But, you know, as a child, when uh, you have whole, you know, color set, you know, next to you, and then every time you are like uh, getting nervous, you know, like seeing one particular color, so I think that I was carrying out. Mm. And then in Shantanikasan, then I started when somebody says like, you know, no, you are beautiful, you are nice. So I suddenly put some, you know, flowers on my hair. And then they say, oh, it's so beautiful, you are looking more beautiful. I started putting coal in my, uh, you know, my eyes. And then I, I started exploring each and everything. And what I found, it was not color, not the flowers, not the coal. It was just the strength or the confidence inside me that Mm -hmm. I am carrying it and I'm loving it. I'm carrying it with love. There is no like kind of, um, you know, like kind of fear of, you know, mm -hmm. which is, so, yeah, so th since then I think this ballerina. But why would, why would anyone tell a five-year-old girl that pink doesn't suit her? Why? Yeah, that seems kind of <laughs> malicious. Yeah, but why American Iraq are fighting? Why? There is some why, so there is no answer. Well, racist this prejudice is, is something that you have to fight for in all countries across the world. Yeah, this, the, then the whole, you know, like, mm. the, that is, uh, you know, that is, uh, that, no need to discuss about, because they, they, that, there is, that is our background, that is the whole history we are carrying. And then uh, we are coming out by putting a tiger skin shari on us or something like that. You know, like that is why maybe the women mm. artists from India mm. are trying to come out because of the history of you know mm. um, being separated from mm. a color like mm. pink yeah. for so many years. Yeah. Uh, because you're constantly questioning casteist and racist yeah. slurs. Right. Could you so elaborate on the? subtext for people who might not 
know as much about Indian society. Yeah, so on, on the one hand, when you think about India today, you think about computers and software, uh, or you think of the other extreme, which is block cards. But I think that there is an, a kind of, you know, if you look at it from the middle path, there's another India which sort of lives constantly, you know, in the tension between the computer and the block cart. And of course, we have a burgeoning economy and we're doing economically very well. But at the same time, all the various markers of identity, which is, you know, your, your skin color, the caste that you belong to, the class, all of these things determine who you are. So even if Meetu belongs to a particular class, like let's say middle class, uh, everybody's educated in her family, uh, you know, they, they, are, they, are, they are, let's say, relatively well off, and yet the skin color, you know, within certain uh, sections of society would matter. So, so art becomes a way of, you know, finding the self and being able to change skins at will, in a way, you know, which is what she's doing here. And also, in a way, also be rude, I think. I mean, in some ways, the fact that, you know, you could not wear your pink dress, in some ways, you know, when you can just sort of open out your skin and, you know, show your insides or just be rude and say, I care a damn, you know. I think that, that, that the, rude, the rude works are also there. Yeah. You know, she's constantly taking up all the polite protocols of society and, uh, you know, in a way, you know, turning, turning the right. cloth. It's so funny yes. you mentioned that you were having people over for tea during your project mm. here in New York. and. We ran a story on, on you in an issue, and mm. the writer mentioned, you know, having this tradition of tea, but then, yeah, the, the, the word you use, rude, mm. also has a, you know, I mean, there's that kind of liberation from being Absolutely. rude and from just yeah. going against all the social protocols. Exactly. Yeah. But do you think about that yourself? Are you willfully challenging the social protocols? Uh, of course, there is a will, but um, I'm not not like a hmm. an activist. Hmm. It's more like spontaneous, hmm. more like with life, playful. Yeah. Well, you know, yes. Hmm. Like hmm. I, I cannot say playful because hmm. for me it is hmm. everything. It is hmm. my reality. It hmm. is my uh, hmm. way of hmm. being. Hmm. And uh, when I don't know, like when I uh, mm. think about the word playful, it uh, mm. disturbs me a little bit because mm. I know I am grown up, and then mm. uh, what I'm doing it's not exactly playful. There is mm. some, it's mm. spontaneous. Mm. But there is also mm. some mm. Um, intentional mm. Uh, mm. act. Right. So, yeah. Um, uh, don't, don't you think we should also yes, throw yes, it open? Because about I think we've been having oh, a terrible yeah. 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 so. <laughs> oh. uh, no, oh, um, For anybody who has a question, please use the microphone. So, um, who has a question? Um, it's not a question, it's really a comment. Um, I find Mitu's work extraordinary. Uh, I react to it viscerally with. Uh, in some ways, she has uh, captured uh, things that are deep inside of me that, and she's manifested them. Uh, I have worked for many years looking for or questioning, is there a female visual language? And what has happened in the last 35 years when we have allowed women to make art, uh, and not only the opportunity, but to show it, to explore it. And I, so I have followed this in the United States and in India. I have been going to India for 40 years. 
and uh, what, and my, originally I worked with medieval Indian art, and I also lived in Calcutta, so I come to Mitu's work with some background, but still, uh, it's not that I'm saying that this is Indian, or, but it is female, definitely, and it is woman, and there is a whole, and it is woman in all of her transient, the transient, uh, the fact that it's both good and bad and strong and weak and, uh, and inside and outside and sexy and erotic and um, it's uh, all of and the way angry and raging and animal and human all of the things that we are and I just really salute you and celebrate it me too thank you Um, that was uh, Eleanor Gaydon, one of the co-curators of the uh, Tiger by the Tail exhibition at Brandeis. Uh, the next person, could you please introduce yourself when you uh, speak, because we're um, recording this, so in case we smear it on the web, on a podcast or something, people will know who you are. I'm Wendy Kaplan, a, another co-curator of Tiger by the Tail, and I uh, agree with Eleanor's comments, and my pose to you, Mitu, a question as I see through your travels, through your scholarship, through your training, you are a woman of the world in many ways. And the um, imagery that you bring to us in the tattooing piece of your needing to seek and share with an audience your experience of pain in the most uh, innocent way, you're, you're coming to it from an in innocent way, it seems to me, and yet wanting to experience the deepest kind of pain. And I wonder if you can comment as to whether that is something that is relevant to your life and your struggles as an Indian woman, an Indian artist, or can your work be made in a different place? Could you experience and want to make something like that here in the United States, for instance? I believe that no matter wherever I go and travel, like I carry my family, so it is like carrying my family is more like a symbolic way or metaphorical way. Actually, we carry ourselves, which is our background, which is our history, which is our everything. And even in India, India is not like one particular room or space. India is so vast, and I also travel so many places, and where like you know I, I shifted from one place to another place where the language and everything is different, the culture is like one country to another country. So uh, it really doesn't matter where I am going and where I'm traveling. What matters is like what is in me, which is actually the, all my, you know, like, the life with the history of, of like, you know, where I'm coming from. So, uh, I don't particularly, you know, like, uh, mean to uh, explain something about the struggle of being an Indian woman or something, like, I, I mean, there is no kind of intention or even subconsciously I even didn't think about that part. If it, if it is there, I like 
how you are relating that is that's i said like at the beginning like i like to say how and by whom it is connecting in a different way and it is showing so like other day also i was telling i only do like 20% of my whole process like work and the rest 80% i leave to my viewer or to my reader or to my you know like my friends so they they make their own 80% journey and then they complete in somewhere you completed and you from you your you know like thought it it is a struggle of being an indian woman and which i completely like you know respect and i i, I acknowledge and uh, i believe like you know uh, everybody has their own connection so this is why this whole body of work or any of my work is not autobiographical this is your autobiographical like this is yours or this is like how everybody is relating and that is like you know that i i want to do that thing like making a kind of common so they are like all like kind of clue or maybe kind of uh, this peoples so yeah actually to link to this question because it could be interesting for all of us um mitho in a way is as i said she's she represents a younger generation of artists who are perfectly happy to even make rude works if necessary um uh, one of the works that she made for instance was made out of ha- hair pieces which she actually turned into alphabets and then nailed them onto a wall uh, would you like to talk a little bit about that work because in a way to me that's that signifies a very important gesture and i think she, you did it during your residency when you were abroad yeah, yeah actually yeah. i i um in 2004 i was in um, i was in new york upstate new york and art of my two of my friends are from there now and uh, i remember i was there for a couple of weeks and i was making uh, i was carrying some artificial hair with me since that time i was making lot of hair pieces like mostly from my hair i was doing embroidery and uh, hair sculptures and but i was given a huge studio space and uh, i had like almost 32 fellow artists mm-hmm. from all over and i was the only person from india and um, like you know like uh, by my nature or something i was immediately uh, quite friendly with the surroundings and the people over there i was very happy being away from home and getting uh, so much of a kind of freedom to you can do what you want and uh, i always find it's the most interesting part when you are given a freedom and then using that freedom so i started making a work i i was i was making kind of knots on the wall and each uh, letter was like 1 feet and like maybe 1 feet and 6 inches or 8 inches so it was uh, it was like more like a form of letter on three walls and while i was making and every day i could make only few words because it was uh, really like you know like a long process of making and each word was mm-hmm. different so by their own decoration or whatever so uh, i think uh, my friends and other artists uh, everybody was like passing through and you know coming to my studio space and then they were asking me and they were wondering what i am writing because everybody was very curious about it 
and uh, kept on asking me all the weeks like what mm. I'm making and then they are uh, making their own comments oh you know this is like Indian language you are writing something mm. and I just kept it like as a suspense I thought okay let it be like that and uh, but it was visually really really looking provoking like mm. all other works mm. it was very inviting so the last day I made a little uh, note kind of text um, and distributed it to my you know fellow artist friends there saying that uh, since last you know couple of weeks you you've been asking me what I am writing about you all were very curious about this particular text you all mm -hmm. wanted to read it but honestly speaking I even don't know what what they are they're all imaginary words it came like you know just as a kind of decoration so there is no kind of mystery nothing but now after finishing this thing now this piece I am so much you know like because I constantly was hearing like you know there is something that you are writing something you know you have to mm -hmm. then I said I, I would like to invite you to translate uh, this this mm -hmm. whole letter for me would you be interested to do that and a lot of my you know friends from there mm -hmm. it was more like you know like a you know like kind of child's game like because mm -hmm. they knew Hmm. what they are doing, I know what I am doing. Hmm. So it was more like a kind of performance hmm. and it was more like an interactive performance hmm. because they came and hmm. they sat with me or maybe they just, you know, it was maybe over dining table hmm. or maybe on breakfast table. Hmm. But they all very honestly tried to <laughs> express their feeling that hmm. what they are thinking about that particular piece. Hmm. And from different people it came in a different, you know, like it was so interesting. I even didn't, you know, like imagine that it could be so, so very mm. exciting because uh, it, uh, the, what all they have actually mm. read on my work is like how they actually read me during this mm. period of, you know, being with them. It was not about that work. There was, in one point, there was nothing. They were not looking at the work. They were talking about me. And it, this me is mm. not me, like, you know, just. It didn't mm. uh, limit between me, Mithushin, mm. as an artist, mm. or with mm. them, you know, being with them for so, like, you know, mm. playfully or, you know, lovingly and mm. with lots of fun. And, but it actually was, you know, linking my whole background, mm. my cultural, my mm. political, my fundamental, mm. my emotional, mm. of everything. Mm. Even it, for some artists, they even thought it is a very kind of, you know, violent work. Mm. And then they asked me, is it something be between India and Pakistan? So it mm. was, it is true, like it was, mm. like the whole thing was bringing like lot of dimensions mm. about. Mm. So, uh, yeah. I think so that, I mean, the reason why I asked Mito to talk about this work, you know, following your question, Wendy, is because, uh, I mean, whether we are artists or critics, we always feel that, you know, we always have this burden of explaining who we are. And we have to constantly do it yeah. wherever we go. Justify. It's like you know, we have very to justify tiring. who we are. And then, you know, I mean, they will have hundreds of prejudices or stereotypes and they will sort of, you know, pin us down at every point. Anything that we say, there'll be a prejudice to answer what we have said. So I think by this kind of very, very subversive uh, gesture, what she's doing is it's like emperor's new clothes. You know, the, they are not real letters by any means. But the moment you look at those letters, you say, oh, Mithu Sen, Indian artist, woman artist. And then, of course, uh, you know, every other prejudice and stereotype gets activated. Yeah. But actually, it was there should be some political reason exactly. behind it. But, but there was not, you know, as such. Yeah. But 
definitely there mm. is there is mm. some uh, because i strongly believe like mm. each and every mm. act you know mm. behind each and every act of anybody mm. is very political absolutely so yeah. that way it yeah. is but it is not like to but it's it's not it's not the politics that uh, the, the viewer wants to read on to you it's, it's a different kind of it's it's a politics which are in a way of translatability you know how do you translate somebody else's culture and by playing this emperor's new clothes mm. game you're subverting that whole idea of you know <laughs> always having to translate who you are ஜுராவ் you see images of sexual union mm. many of them are accompanied by women cutting their hair off mm. and that is a sign of how sexual mm. ecstasy is a form of ultimate surrender mm. and shedding your hair in one sense is about surrendering yourself and removing all signs of egoistical possession now that's just one instance you also have instances of widows being shorn off their hair mm. right so there is a lot of symbolic element mm. to the material hair itself what's what she does mithu in one sense the fact that she retrieves it mm. and she puts it into a completely different context mm. i think she is challenging certain values that are embodied yeah, in absolutely. the material yeah that's what we were talking about the whole all the social and religious taboos that get questioned and then of course it becomes something else as i said you know it it could it could be just questioning gender relations gender <laughs> politics and it can move into even a transcendental realm so she has that that level of potential and spectrum to be able to move i actually have two questions um, my name is chrisan and um i'm an artist and a friend of many people here and also in india So um two questions which have been coming to my mind which are posed them one is with the my first trip to India was in 1995 which was before Peter started the gallery Nature Mort and at that point he he sort of had a dream and and there were various reasons for that trip which are personal that I won't go into at this moment but i've sort of seen the whole explosion of like the indian art and the many shows coming to the west and all that and is that and also i have a south american friend who so i've seen different waves you know living here in new york chinese south american and does that at a point become sort of a burden because a question to me who someone who has three nationalities but uh the family one goes back to greece you know and all that stuff is when does being an artist is an artist and i know when i was a little decided to be an artist it never occurred to me that i was going to represent my country for my second question was which country um the it was much more about being a female artist and the barriers that existed then still exist now 
And so my question to that is, like, what is the relationship between the, the country issue and being an Indian artist, you know, and being an artist? That's one. The second question with the hair, which I sort of have a, I've used hair a lot in my work, but I've also known a lot of people who've done that. And there's a whole reference to Queen Victoria and the jewelry, the hair jewelry that has existed for centuries that people wear. And there are women in Scandinavia who make like very specific hair things. So I think in, in the hair shaving, whether it's like a Buddhist nun or a Catholic nun, has always been sort of a, a sign of liberation from sexuality and from male dominance. And where does this all sort of fit in? So however you want to answer it or not answer it is fine by me. I'd actually like to leap in the first question okay. as a media representative okay. and say that I think the words like boom or explosion that we use as shorthand uh, to describe what's going on in other countries is really only describing a, a media phenomenon that it's become visible to an international audience but I think in actuality you know these countries have you know long histories of making you know so that gets overlooked I think in I think there's an exotification, but at the same time, the position of my magazine in particular is that it doesn't have to be an exotification, you know, so uh, you don't, you know, I think in a way it might be nice if Asian artists could have the same ability as Canadian artists to just come and go, you know. <laughs> right. Well, it did strike a nerve with me because the New York Times just did an article okay. on okay. Indian art, and I felt I know. I know. It, it kind of obscured a lot of the history of what's happened to get to that point. So, uh, but me first. Okay. Introduce uh, yourself. I'm Vinod Dave. I'm one of the gallery artists in Space here. And uh, when I came here for this discourse, I was kind of afraid to approach Mithu, thinking that she must be a feminist, she must have a dark side or some sinister, painful area of her life and everything. So I didn't approach her and she came smiling to me and made me relax, but she made me more relaxed after what she, I mean every question she, she answered, she, she does all these things having fun. She's, 
does everything so innocently and has no heavy theories behind it, behind what, what she does. And we come here expecting in a kind of a stereotype that, well, she's an Indian woman, must have, uh, she must be a symbol of pain and social injustice and whatnot. I mean, the list would go, go on forever. And she shattered our expectations because she is so innocent and she is just having fun doing this. The irony is the result has a lot of pain, painful side to it, the expression of pain and, and, and uh, kind of, uh, by, by looking at her work, anyone would think if, she, if, if the person didn't hear her, they would think that she, is, she must be trying to be a rebellious feminist uh, artist, and, and that's why she does this. And I think she, she just, she's not associating any heavy side of life with her, her work. She's just having fun. And what's wrong with that? Like, I mean, why we have to always associate heavy theories to art? Why art can't be just for fun's sake? But feminists have fun too. <laughs> uh, well, they have a lot of complaints. <laughs> OK. Can we go to the next question? Do you want to comment? Okay. Hi, me too. My name is Shelley Souza. And um, you said very early on in the talk that sort of after your training, you really abandoned or rejected sort of the traditional forms of creating art. In other words, the sort of very linear definition that we've had historically of paintings sculpture, you know, whatever. So, um, so I'm looking at your work now and obviously you're breaking out of the frame and you're using voyeuristic um, inducements to look at your work. How would you say, for yourself, how would you say that you were actually really breaking away from tradition to to create all these new forms? In other words, has there been a... I, I know you talk about making things very spontaneously, but looking back on your work, do you then say, well, I've done that, and now I want to really explore something else, or is it just something very organic, and then it just happens, you know, to develop? I, I don't know if my question is, is very clear, but... And then how would you really say that this is um, breaking away from, you know, from these traditional ways of actually displaying art and, and introducing them to the viewer? Mm -hmm. uh, did I say like it's breaking, you know, I didn't. And uh, I'll never say that because uh, I really don't have that much of courage of saying my work's like breaking or something. But uh, I will say that like it is organic, it's spontaneous. And uh, I definitely have some ideas of, you know, what I, uh, in my, like, you know, knowledge, like, you know, how I see art in the exhibition. So maybe it's not breaking, but maybe I'm a little bored about, you know, like, maybe this kind of scene already have been happening, like, you know, a lot of places. So it is not unique. It is not something, you know. But it is uh, my, from my way of practice or, my knowledge of seeing the art practice, 
uh, where, where I am a bit bored or trying to get little more fun or extended fun from the same or similar kind of maybe this is like a two-dimensional you know paperwork you know like kind of you know, pure form of you know some mixed media or drawing work so um, yeah it's just this like yeah, but you also have to see this in an art historical context. Uh, it's a very interesting comment that Mitu made, and she said it's not unique for her. Yeah, this idea of extending painting from the 1990s onwards, uh, artists have been uh, interacting with various kinds of media. So from painting to extended painting to somebody like Atul Doria making cabinet paintings. Yeah, so so we we already have somebody like Doria and others, Nalini Malani, uh, you know, putting uh, doing reverse painting on mylar rolls and then projecting video on it. So, so that so, so from the 90s onwards, that freedom has been to play with different kinds of media and not even question the categories. You can move from painting to film. You can interface painting with computer, like in Deju Parthan's case. So all those uh, categories have been exploded. Shukla's and Kanchan's work. Yeah, Shukla's work again. Maybe she can talk about her work, the kinds of media that she uses. They, they, you know, they, they shuttle between yeah. medium, genre. And therefore, there is none of this anxiety or burden of, you know, I mean, yeah. what is this medium that, like, for a modernist, it would have been, you know, a big problem. What, you know, what is the medium that you're choosing, and can you really break out, break away from the frame, the painted frame? Not, no, no longer so. Yeah. It's, it's a different kind of environment. Well, I, but I mean, I think hmm. that that's been there really since the 70s. Like, I mean, sure. started to into Yeah. Like, of course, film, all over the world. Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah, but I'm saying art historically. Yeah. All that started. Sure, but in India, it, it's it's from the 1990s right. onwards. Because I can't say that you know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, when we talk about an Indian artist, we have to talk about from where that freedom to be able to choose your media, that happens, and that happens in the 1990s onwards. I mean, and before it would, you know, it would have been extreme. Like for example, Nilima Sheikh said something very interesting during the Women Artists Conference, where she said even when she wanted to make a book of illustrations. Okay, when, for her, when Champa grew up, a series of um, you know drawings on uh, dowry death, for instance, she had to really think twice that for moving from painting to book illustration, how would she do it? So it was a very difficult choice for her to make, and she immediately said after that that if it ha if it was today, it would make a difference. Yeah. So that's the context that you have to see it in. Of course, I mean the happenings and uh, new media art starts in the 1960s internationally, but you can't compare that with what happens in India. And there is another mm. little uh, mm. story behind, uh, you know, my this coming out from the frame. <laughs> that mm. is again very personal. Mm. Since um, I was I was making the hair works for like four or five years, and I was really really like um, trying hard to show my works, uh, but I was not really very much, you know, like uh, it was except the artist circle mm. uh, where we show our work, like in the gallery or you know, like. So the platform, I was not uh, getting a kind of invitation of you know showing my this kind of uh, work for a long time, and uh, uh, like four or five years of like you know no solo show, I, I became a little desperate and you know I started mm -hmm. uh, uh, kind of forcing myself like I, I need to do some because I, like I, I am very restless and I think of what I'm making today, um, I don't want to show it after 10 years or something like that it's just not because like you know because of the glamour of the exhibition or mm. but it's more it's very important for me because of that particular mm. time now mm. i want i made it now and then others mm. for me also it doesn't really carry any meaning mm. you know i left behind mm. the things it's like that mm. and um, 
and uh, during in 2005 I was in China and then China I was making some other things I was making little videos and little other work but uh, I think uh, uh, besides my all other travels mostly in West Chinese uh, being in China was very different that that uh, I was not in Beijing I was in Yunnan in a residency and it's like a, you know, I was in Lijian studio so it's like a heritage like 2000 years old heritage village and the whole atmosphere and this like you know kind of very spiritual and very calm and quiet it was so different for me uh, I started I had this little small studio with a wooden uh, table very old Chinese wooden table and I started making small small drawings mm. on it uh, I was making drawing in a different way for me the hair works are all like drawings mm. I told mm. you like but uh, then I came back from there and then uh, I was just showing like my friends and you know like uh, curators or maybe mm. that uh, yeah in China mm. in a broader way this, this was my project what I was doing and then uh, also I had my little drawing book and uh, suddenly like you know I love my drawings but I, 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 I saw a different view from my you know like um, curators and the gallerists. Through this drawing book, I got four invitations from four different galleries. Locally? Yeah, yeah, in, mm. in India. Mm. I mean, I wanted to have a show yeah. in India because I, mm. with my hair works, I really got like very mm. good uh, kind of uh, mm. feedback or kind of mm. from, uh, from here, from, from international. Yeah. So, but somehow, you know, like being an Indian, I was like desperate to prove myself. No, I am also an <laughs> artist. I also do good art. Please let me show you this what I do like kind of thing and uh, then uh, the from the four galleries when I got the invitation to show my drawings I was actually uh, upset because I still like had the f all four years you know like mm -hmm. storage of hair works mm -hmm. and different blood works I did like a mm -hmm. lot of things so uh, I had to accept this mm -hmm. invitation and I choose definitely I went with the gallery who was showing me uh, from 2000-2001 who always had a like, kind of trust and faith on me but somehow uh, the solo show didn't happen anyway so he also asked me to have a show and I was like over excited but behind that I had a like kind of uh, pain or maybe an anger and uh, before the whole body of work went to the exhibition space 80% uh, works were sold from the you know like I don't know like how the gallery do but by sending image by JPEG form or something and uh, so the galleries and everybody says look you are now you are also getting a commercial success like you know like so that acknowledgement of oh, you know I came all this newspaper and everything so I got the first time you know after eight or nine years of my struggle of hmm. becoming an artist um, was so uh, I just uh, requested my gallery if I can install my own way because before the show, the catalog was made, which you can see like here. You can see like, I, mean, I, I am a little sarcastic about it because I said menu card, because you can see and choose like, you know. And um, sorry, but it's just my personal. Uh, and then uh, when I was allowed to install the gallery space, I started making this the same way. And each work, I started working uh, beyond the frame. Because uh, then I, like that 10 days I constantly was working in that uh, space and when uh, the collectors and the, you know, like the people who got the work, like who bought the work came to me as I said, I made 
you all fool what you are taking back home is an incomplete work because you cannot really take the works extended in the you know on the, on the wall. wall you know so for me it was like kind of a very like kind of childish revenge you know like making the my you know gallery of the collectors full uh, because i i i mean here it is very less but uh, mm. my other two shows in drawing room mm. i literally worked it. so hard like the same kind of uh, work i made it on the wall mm. and everybody said oh you you like you wasted like this you know like if you could have done it on paper on canvas you know like so the, the you know like there but for me making it on a paper to you know for you know for a long lasting future thinking or making it on the wall for four weeks and getting it repainted the same for me. I mean, well, there's an economics to this. I mean, just to put it very briefly, which is very important to understand. As Neetu said, she would have a lot of critical acclaim for her hair pieces. Yeah, but um, th there was there's no market for that kind of work. Mm. Slowly, that's changing. We have people, collectors like Anupam Podar, who are doing phenomenal work in Delhi, for instance, and they are buying works which are ephemeral, or they're even buying video works. But that's a rare thing in India. So what sells is paintings, and that's where the whole the economy is based on. So when she says that, you know, like, okay, hair pieces, she has critical acclaim, people like her work, she's considered a serious artist. But she cannot be a gallery artist, you know, I mean, who has a certain kind of currency. So, and, and that's how slowly, you know, I mean, accidentally when she starts making those drawings on the desk in China, and she decides that she can start doing a drawings show. But she makes the drawings show in a way to fit into the gallery circuit, but then again breaks it by breaking out of the frame and you know doing works on the on the wall. Back home in India, if you know people would have thought, why is this being wasted? Because actually you'd be selling a painting by its footage. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, how many feet is the painting, and you'd sell it for so many lakhs or whatever. So again, it's a subversive gesture because in a way she's making a kind of useless painting on the wall, you know, yeah. which which cannot but be. Because I was also food. told, like you know, oh, yeah. finally you also compromised with the gallery, and um, I think I, I mean, there was no like kind of compromising. It was just like where I feel comfortable, and when I have got the chance to do what I want to do, no matter where I'm working on a public space or in a gallery, it's just like. I want to do something and I'm doing it. And that, you know, like maybe this, uh, particularly this drawing room series and showing the drawing uh, was a kind of uh, me to prove that, you know, just like, you know, it is like, you know, like almost like I'm on the wall and like I'm cornered like this and I want to prove like my existence and I had to come back into the, otherwise maybe I could have got another five years. I mean, anyway, like and mm. well, my hunger would not stop me, if, you know, being into, so, um, and yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the thing is that you actually answered my question, which is mm. really that the, the, the art view is not just within the frame, but actually that you, it's, it's much more like a performance space, also, is what it actually becomes, which is very interesting. So, it's interesting when you say, well, of course, when you take painting away, you're, you're only getting to think mm -hmm. you know, part of what the whole experience is. Yeah. I even like you know, uh, uh, like my mom and my parents and also and also my friends uh, after the opening said, "Are you happy? And uh, are you happy with the opening? Are you happy the the entire show like you you installed and you know?" And um, for me, there is no answer whether I'm happy with this entire show or something. But I can say how happy I was when I was installing for like a couple of weeks. Like you know, I came and that was as you said, like the performance. It is like it. 
so I, I enjoyed everything was instant like you know even to make the holes I had never had an idea even to make the construction of the making a room if you know like the whole space is different so it's like you know like traveling and getting into a body inside body so mm -hmm. everything is like a, uh, like on side like you know I, I said like you know I have to do and the whole team were like they were also like telling me they were uh, helping me saying that no me too I think you should do like this like uh, David and Mark were, work with, were working with me here, who were like, you know, they were also artists, you know. So everybody was, it was not like my own decision that I was making, even with the frame. So, you know, like the entire group, so the performance was like, you know, the whole team. Everybody was performing. Somebody was making frame here, somebody was building the projection, so, and I was just, you know, like, so I think, um, I was really, really happy. I, I, that's why I want to travel. That's why I want to go places and you know want to make uh, something, and want to build a like you know kind of uh, uh, I don't know like link or connection. Thank you very much. <laughs> this uh, <laughs> I'm very exhausted. Oh, I'm most happy now because I finished this. <laughs>